only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. ...from their comrades. The story was told and retold amid cries of delight and shouts of laughter. They had waited for their man as he drove home at nightfall, taking their station at the top of a steep hill, where his horse must be at a walk. He was so furred to keep out the cold that he could not lay his hand on the pistol. They had pulled him out and shot him again and again. He had screamed for mercy. The screams were repeated for the amusement of the lodge. "'Let's hear again how he squealed,' they cried. "'None of them knew the man, but there is eternal drama in a killing, "'and they had shown the scourers of Gilmerton that the Vermissa men were to be relied upon. "'There had been one contretemps, for a man and his wife had driven up "'while they were still emptying their revolvers into the silent body.' It had been suggested that they should shoot them both, but they were harmless folk who were not connected with the mines, so they were sternly bidden to drive on and keep silent, lest a worse thing befall them. And so the blood-mottled figure had been left as a warning to all such hard-hearted employers, and the three noble avengers had hurried off into the mountains, where unbroken nature comes down to the very edge of the furnaces and the slag heaps. Here they were, safe and sound, their work well done, and the plaudits of their companions in their ears. It had been a great day for the scourers. The shadow had fallen even darker over the valley. But as the wise general chooses the moment of victory in which to redouble his efforts, so that his foes may have no time to steady themselves after disaster, so boss McGinty, looking out upon the scene of his operations, with his brooding and malicious eyes, had devised a new attack upon those who opposed him. That very night, as the half-drunken company broke up, he touched McMurdo on the arm, and led him aside, into that inner room, where they had their first interview. "'See here, my lad,' said he, "'I've got a job that's worthy of you at last.' "'You'll have the doing of it in your own hands.' "'Proud I am to hear it,' McMurdo answered. "'You can take two men with you, Manders and Riley. "'They have been warned for service. "'We'll never be right in this district "'until Chester Wilcox has been settled. "'And you'll have the thanks of every lodge in the coal-fields "'if you can down him.' 
I'll do my best, anyhow. Who is he, and where shall I find him?' McGinty took his eternal half-chewed, half-smoked cigar from the corner of his mouth, and proceeded to draw a rough diagram on a page torn from his notebook. "'He's the chief foreman of the Iron Dyke Company. He's a hard citizen, an old color sergeant of the war, all scars and grizzle. We've had two tries at him, but had no luck, and Jim Carnaway lost his life over it. Now it's for you to take it over. That's the house, all alone, at the Iron Dyke Crossroad, same as you see here on the map, without another within earshot. It's no good by day. He's armed and shoots quick and straight, with no questions asked. But at night, well, there he is with his wife, three children, and a hired help. You can't pick or choose. It's all or none. If you could get a bag of blasting powder at the front door, with a slow match to it— What's the man done? Didn't I tell you he shot Jim Carnaway? Why did he shoot him? "'What in thunder has that to do with you? "'Carnaway was about his house at night, and he shot him. "'That's enough for me and you. "'You've got to settle the thing right. "'There's these two women and the children. "'Do they go up, too?' "'They have to. "'Else how can we get him?' "'It seems hard on them, for they've done nothing.' "'What sort of fool's talk is this? "'Do you back out?' "'Easy, Counselor, easy. What have I ever said or done that you should think I would be standing back from an order of the bodymaster of my own lodge? If it's right or if it's wrong, it's for you to decide.' "'You'll do it, then?' "'Of course I will do it.' "'When?' "'Well, you had best give me a night or two that I may see the house and make my plans. Then—' "'Very good,' said McGinty, shaking him by the hand.' I leave it with you. It will be a great day when you bring us the news. It's just the last stroke that will bring them all to their knees. McMurdo thought long and deeply over the commission which had been so suddenly placed in his hands. The isolated house in which Chester Wilcox lived was about five miles off in an adjacent valley. That very night he started off all alone to prepare for the attempt. It was daylight before he returned from his reconnaissance. Next day he interviewed his two subordinates, Manders and Riley, reckless youngsters who were as elated as if it were a deer-hunt. Two nights later they met outside the town, all three armed, and one of them carrying a sack, stuffed with the powder which was used in the quarries. It was two in the morning before they came to the lonely house. The night was a windy one with broken clouds, drifting swiftly across the face of a three-quarter moon. They had been warned to be on their guard against bloodhounds, so they moved forward cautiously, with their pistols cocked in their hands. But there was no sound, save the howling of the winds, and no movement but the swaying branches above them. McMurdo listened at the door of the lonely house, but all was still within. Then he leaned the powder-bag against it, ripped a hole in it with his knife, and attached the fuse. When it was well alight, he and his two companions took to their heels, 
and were some distance off, safe and snug in a sheltering ditch, before the shattering roar of the explosion, with the low, deep rumble of the collapsing building, told them that their work was done. No cleaner job had ever been carried out in the blood-stained annals of the society. But, alas, that work, so well organized and boldly carried out, should all have gone for nothing. Warned by the fate of various victims, and knowing that he was marked down for destruction, Chester Wilcox had moved himself and his family, only the day before, to some safer and less known quarters, where a guard of police should watch over them. It was an empty house, which had been torn down by the gunpowder, and the grim old color-sergeant of the war was still teaching discipline to the miners of Iron Dyke. "'Leave him to me,' said McMurdo. "'He's my man, and I'll get him sure if I have to wait a year for him.' A vote of thanks and confidence was passed in full lodge, and so for the time the matter ended. When a few weeks later it was reported in the papers that Wilcox had been shot at from an ambuscade, it was an open secret that McMurdo was still at work upon his unfinished job. Such were the methods of the Society of Freemen, and such were the deeds of the Scourers, by which they spread their rule of fear over the great and rich district which was for so long a period haunted by their terrible presence. Why should these pages be stained by further crimes? Have I not said enough to show the men and their methods? These deeds are written in history, and there are records wherein one may read the details of them. There one may learn of the shooting of Policeman Hunt and Evans, because they had ventured to arrest two members of the society, a double outrage planned at the Vermissa Lodge and carried out in cold blood upon two helpless and disarmed men. There also one may read of the shooting of Mrs. Larbey, when she was nursing her husband, who had been beaten almost to death by orders of Boss McGinty. The killing of the elder Jenkins, shortly followed by that of his brother, the mutilation of James Murdoch, the blowing up of the Staphouse family, and the murder of the Stendhals, all followed hard upon one another in the same terrible winter. Darkly the shadow lay upon the valley of fear. The spring had come with running brooks and blossoming trees. There was hope for all nature, bound so long in an iron grip, but nowhere was there any hope for the men and women who lived under the yoke of the terror. Never had the cloud above them been so dark and hopeless as in the early summer of the year 1875. End of chapter 5 Recording by Katie Riley February 2010